You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WHOA GNV Podcast, the coronavirus sessions, where our temporary mission is to save as many businesses and jobs as possible by sharing how your fellow business owners and business professionals are navigating the impact of COVID-19. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is Michael Dees. <laughs> nice. What's up, buddy? I love how in our morning meeting, you're at one dealership, and in, on the podcast, you're in a different dealership. That's great. <laughs> green screen life, baby. Green screen. Yeah. You can do that. You can just switch the switch it like that. It's the, that has actually got to be one of my favorite parts about these Zoom, Zoom uh, meetups and stuff is for changing, sure. changing the background, man. I will have I will have gotten through this whole thing and never mastered the uh, art of the backdrop. <laughs> You've done a good job of of changing your setting though, whether it's all the rooms in your previous home to now. Right. I don't even know where you're at now. You're like <laughs> somebody else's home. It looks like. <laughs> Keep it a secret. That's right. Uh, but, Keep it a secret. Yeah, let's get into it, man. Yeah, man, let's do this. So, hey guys, before we get into the show, we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Got to give a mad shout out to Collier's International Gainesville. You guys, Gainesville's growing every day, and no one knows that better than the team at Collier's International Gainesville. They help businesses and investors of all sizes buy, sell, lease, and manage their properties in North Central Florida. Collier's Gainesville has the most local experience and expertise in town, plus the resources of a global firm to get your commercial real estate deal done. So ready to get started on your next commercial project? See what they can do for you at colliers.com slash Gainesville. Super appreciate them. Also, Leonardo's Millhopper. Many thanks to Kyle Cohen and the team at Leonardo's Millhopper. Dude, we're super grateful to know this guy and see all the stuff that they've been doing during this pandemic to take care of our community. Uh, Kyle has told us how grateful he is to see so many orders come through during this unprecedented time. It's been amazing, man. So they have some awesome specials happening throughout the week. Um, it's like Manicotti Monday, Lasagna Tuesday. I can't even remember them all. Uh, give them a call at 352-376-2001. That's 352-376-2001. Or visit them at leonardosmillhopper.com to place your order. Thank you guys so much for your sponsorship. It just means the world to both of us uh, and our entire community. Yeah, you guys, and uh, you know it's funny because every time you start talking about Leonardo's pizza, it's like at the time where I haven't had anything to eat, and so like I'm like <laughs> hungry. I'm like I'm like imagining the food as you're like talking. I'm like, man, I'm so I'm so hungry right now. I start seeing the garlic rolls, man. I see them, I smell them. <laughs> the slow drip. We could, like <laughs> put a video like in here, a little slow drip all over the garlic rolls. So great. Well, let's get into today's show. I'm excited for this. You guys, today on the show, we have Kendra Albury of Kids and Capes, one of our local nonprofits here in Gainesville. Kendra, welcome to the show. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Happy yeah. Terrific Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Kendra, like, I know you've seen a couple of our episodes. You know, mm-hmm. what we're doing here is, you know, we're really, we really want to kind of d- dive into, like, how, uh, you know, you've been impacted by what's been happening with COVID-19. But before we do that, why don't you go ahead and introduce, you know, you know your role with the organization um, mm-hmm. and, and really what the organization stands for? 
Awesome. So I am Kendra Alberry, and I am the president and CEO of Kids in Capes, and we are a sustainable nonprofit that works to prevent and raise awareness of childhood sexual abuse, bullying, and illegal drug use. And we accomplish that through our education, intervention, literacy, and prevention programs. And so um, we're excited about this opportunity to share, you know, with your listeners about what we do and also, you know, pretty much how COVID has impacted our mission um, because we are a community-based program. And so social distancing has definitely impacted how we are able to reach our audiences. So we've had to kind of move everything to an online platform. Not as fun because we love soaring into the schools and sharing um, what we do, the interactive read-alouds with the students, um, as well as any kind of, you know, after-school programs, civic organizations, we're able to, they, those are our targets. And so with um, social distancing to keep kids safe, we've kind of transitioned a lot of our programs to an online platform through our website, which is kidsincapesinc.org. Okay, so, I mean, how have you been able to navigate that then? I mean, if you're, you know, if you depend on things like after-school programs and a lot of this stuff to really get your message out there and, you know, mm -hmm. kids are huddled at home with their parents right now and they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, like... I, here I've been all morning working. I just hear my wife yelling at Maddox to get, just get your schoolwork done. Like once it's done, you can then do all the other stuff you want. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's been this, it's been this battle. Um, you know, and I know, I know all of our listeners who have, uh, have children kind of wish that they had that 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 time you know like hey kids like go to school and uh you know it's 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 been tough it's been tough for everybody but i got to imagine like for your business you know and, mm -hmm. and for really your your message right in order to get your message out there um with the schools being closed that's mm -hmm. that's had that has to have been a challenge so how how have you gotten around that so what we've done um, is we've kind of put some of our read-alouds online into our store. Uh, one thing I'm really excited about is next week we will start delivering our Courageous Conversations and Talk About It Tuesdays, which is going to be a no-cost content, but it's everything um, what we do and how parents can still empower their children by having courageous conversations at home. Um, the truth of the matter is this has been a very difficult situation, this COVID-19, and just trying to navigate it for the first couple of weeks, I think I was sitting trying to figure out um, how to keep kids safe, period. While all homes are, you know, everyone's home, but not everyone's safe. Not all kids are safe. Um, I read a story in the USA Today that actually stated that the number of, of abuse reports have decreased. That's probably because kids are not going to school and teachers aren't able to report it. So that means we need the neighbors, um, we need those in the community who see something suspicious to say something and report it. So we are asking you know, everyone to kind of put on their advocacy hats if they see something, say something. But it's definitely been a challenge, but I can tell you also that having online platforms such as social media has allowed us to keep our, our message in front of our audiences. So I will be doing some interactive read-alouds um, starting next week so that parents can bring their kids around to the PC or to their phones and then they can still receive 
um, some additional, I, I call it supplemental learning. And it's all about giving kids that courage they need, um, whether it's, you know, to protect themselves, you know, from someone who's trying to hurt them or compromise their well-being. But what I learned, too, is that having that courage also teaches kids, you know, advocacy skills, how to advocate for themselves throughout life. And so our goal is to continue to stay in front of our audience as much as we can. We ended up um, having to cancel our annual fundraiser, which is the Blue Tie Gala, because of COVID-19. And so we were thinking about October and we're still just kind of monitoring, you know, what our healthcare professionals are recommending. And so... That's kind of the long and short of trying to navigate this new normal. Yeah, a term that we will that will live on forever. <laughs> the new normal. Uh, you know, like it's funny because like I'm thinking about fundraising. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is how nonprofits uh, yes. generate their revenue, right? Like mm-hmm. they fundraise. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm thinking, and like I've seen it where a huge piece of it has been a lot, a lot of businesses contribute, yep. you know, they're supporting the local yep. community. You know, we've, we've done so many things with so many nonprofits over the years. And, mm-hmm. and now like there's no fundraising events. I got to think like, I mean, I saw a, a thing recently that like Facebook said um, through some data that they show that 30% of small businesses like thirty-one percent or something like closed during this thing, right? And, and so, like that means there's no revenue. That's there's right. no there's no money. Like, I mean, how like how have you been impacted financially because of COVID nineteen? And like, you know, did all funding stop? Like, what mm-hmm. what's been the strategy to to really get the fundraising that you need? Well, one thing that we did, and I, I, we, we took part in something called Giving Tuesday um, for COVID-19. And so we kind of took to Facebook, we went and sent out our newsletter, and we were able to um, receive, but it was only a fraction of what we normally raise for our fundraiser, which can be between $10,000 and $12,000 annually, which is really good because we've only held our Blue Tie Gala twice. And so um, when we think about that, we use those dollars for sustainability. And that's how we end up building out our programs. Like this summer, we'll have the um, backpack soaring into reading um, initiative where kids will receive a drawstring backpack, a copy of one book, um, a cape and a mask, and that's $25. And so when we have to put all of these resources together, Um, it costs money. And so this is kind of how this year, you know, we're still depending on our sponsors. I'm even, you know, putting money, my personal money into this because I believe in what we're doing. Um, As a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, as bullying, I know that when kids are educated early on, they can actually become advocates themselves. They can protect themselves. They know what to say. They are not in a situation and then trying to figure it out. So early education and intervention is key. Another piece to that is the um, other Courage Activate packages that we do, which is like all of the books in the series um, with the drawstring backpack. And those come together and we put those together. And a lot of them, for each one that a business purchases, we match that. So we still have to have those dollars to be able to put those resources together. And, and put them out in the community. So all of our programs actually have to have 
financial contributions to remain sustainable. With COVID, we're having to streamline that, um, particularly just focusing on one thing versus being able to focus on the full mission. That's just to remain sustainable. That's interesting. So I'm curious, like we've talked a lot. We've we actually had Colin's kids on, on the show one episode. And we talked about how, um, how it has an impact on them. Just from a, a cognitive level, I mean, like, is this something that's going to have a long-term impact? I mean, is it something that they'll remember having mom and dad, family meals, or maybe the not-so-rosy pictures where it's family struggling to get by and they aren't having, you know, playtime with their friends? Is it something that, that you think is going to have a, a lasting impact? I most definitely do. Um, I, the reason why I say this is because my husband and I are both at home um, with our nine-year-old son. And we're having to do things that are out of the normal. So he he offers home economics classes, which is baking cookies. So he's teaching him math through baking cookies. Um, they go fishing in the pond. That's a part of wellness, as my husband calls it. But this normal that we're now seeing, this new normal, I believe it will impact kids. Um, but I believe also virtual learning is going to be a, a new way of learning. We're going to see more of it um, until I believe a um, vaccine is developed. And so in the meantime, I think safety is going to come first. But I believe it's definitely going to stick with everyone, the, the kids and how they've learned. Um, as a matter of fact, my son's teacher calls once every other week, even though she's hosting the Zoom classes and checking in on homework. Um, every time she calls, I just want to reach through the phone and, and give her a hug because I don't think it, until now that I realized how important teachers are. Like, I know I have not been called to teach. And so what I'm doing is really, like I told my husband, we're just trying to get through the assignment versus the strategy of teaching and their passion for it and their love for it. And so I definitely believe it's it's going to impact us for for a very long time. This will be something that will be ingrained um, in our minds um, with this virus. There's something too like I, I don't know if you get this, Kendra, but like the there's something about the teacher student relationship. Yes, just different from the parent. Yes. You know, like, like, I, I don't know why it's such like my, my wife, like she was a second grade school teacher for years. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. she, she knows how to teach. Like she's, yeah. she knows exactly like all the material like, and she's great at it. However, like our son, man, he's just a little devil when it, <laughs> when it comes to like trying to get the schoolwork done. And I'm just like, dude, just sit down and get it done. Like, yes. you know, but it's, it has something to do with that parent relationship. I, like, I, I don't know what it is, but she, he gives him, gives her uh, quite, quite a challenge. Like, do, do you see that with like trying to instruct your, your son or? Yes, we yeah. see it every day. And we even have a schedule, like, you know, we have this schedule of you're going to do your online learning. You take these little breaks in between. You get a snack. I don't care if it's watermelon or grapes. And then we go back to it. But by one o'clock, he's done. And so we had to kind of create our own blueprint. I call it the Allberry blueprint. But that works for us and for him because we didn't want to end up making him dislike this whole experience. And we didn't want to be stressed out the whole time. But I can tell you, my husband has increased his naps. Per day. <laughs> <laughs> our son doesn't take the naps our husband my husband takes the naps 
I mean, I'm just, I'm glad that I'm not alone in this, uh, or that, you know, we're not alone as parents in this, like, tough tough season. I know, I know Shannon will be glad to hear that, too, because I think sometimes she's like, why is my kid the one who's like, it's funny to me because I hear you say that and it's a fascinating concept because you've also, Colin, talked about that uh, in terms of motivating teams, how how mm-hmm. you can go speak and speak in front of a room of people and feel like you've really gotten to them, but then you come address mm-hmm. your own team and it's that familiarity that it just doesn't resonate the same way. Yeah, dude, it, it, that's a great, that's a great example. I mean, it's exactly that. That's exactly yeah. Absolutely. And I actually, I was telling my husband, I said, I think we're going to all need a support group after this because <laughs> for parents, because we have tried to figure this out and I'm, I'm hearing the same thing. My kid, my kid doesn't, he's not focused and it's taking a long time for him to focus. So yeah, I think a, a support group for parents who survived COVID um, with their kids homeschooling, we might need to, to develop that support group. <laughs> yeah. And I've been, I mean, mad love to all the teachers out there because I've been super impressed with how they've been able to, at least oh, yeah. my kids' teachers, how they've been able to adapt mm-hmm. to this and adapt quickly and and still keep find creative ways to keep the students yes. engaged. I mean, my, my son has been getting stuff in the mail from his teacher. I mean, he got like a blow up beach ball the other day and, and blew it up. And on it, on it was like a note that said, I had a ball having you in my class this year. And it was just like a super sweet note and like, but just really cool, creative ways to keep the students kind of engaged with what's been happening throughout the school year, and especially at, at, you know, during, during this mm-hmm. pandemic and stuff. So that UCE, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is that ultimate, ultimate awesome. student experience, I guess, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Mike, what else you got, man? I'm I'm curious. Like, we we work with a lot of um, nonprofits at New Scooters. You know, we we actually got to the point where we were we were highlighting one each quarter. But I know that that when things get tough, like when things tighten up, and and you've got businesses that are, you know, some some are doing fine, but a lot of are struggling to get by. You know that kind of charitable work, at least in terms of monetary donations are some of the first things that get cut. Um, so my question isn't so much like, how is that going to impact? Cause obviously it's going to be huge, but if it's not a monetary resource, you know, what, what can other businesses, what can people do to help so that that sting isn't as, as prevalent? Yeah, I believe it's just sharing our message, just making sure, you know, people know who we are, visiting our Facebook page, um, our Instagram page, just checking us out, sharing it, liking it, letting us know, you know, that our, you know, what we do and our presence matters in the community. I think in this um, COVID-19 climate, it's a matter of us letting each other know that we're here for each other, that, you know, even in sharing, um, one thing I've learned even through um, just giving in general, a lot of times when you give, it's the giving of information and the exchange of information. And so that people will know um, your impact beyond just a dollar, um, your impact beyond like what I like to say, beyond how you can put a kid on a cape um, or sponsor a cape or a book. But it's really the impact of knowing what it is that we do, the impact that we make. And a lot of times that's in knowing facts. We share mostly education. And that is like letting people know the five steps of of sexual abuse prevention. 
which of course is like know the facts, um, minimize opportunity, talk about it, recognizing the signs, and then of course reacting responsibly. And then of course sharing the statistics, like 90% of kids know their abusers, 60% of kids are abused by someone the family knows and trusts, 40% of kids are abused by an older, more powerful child, and 30% of kids are abused by an actual family member. So sharing those facts through social media is also another way of just kind of keeping your hand on our pulse. Certainly eye-opening to hear some of those numbers sometimes. It's some of that I've heard before, but it never it never doesn't make me just like kind of gasp at, you know, some of those numbers are so high. Oh, absolutely. And it's the same thing with bullying, you know, physical bullying, you know, it starts in elementary school, it peaks in middle school, and then it drops off in high school, but the verbal bullying continues. So that that's the type of information, like when we share it, that we want people to be aware of. That way, it's more than just, you know, you see the cape and you see what we do, but you understand the foundation that the organization is built on. I feel like, I mean, I don't know, I've never run a nonprofit before, right? So like, I, like I, I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking though, and like, and really analyzing what I know about social media. And, and it, it's like, you know, you always hear that it's like this false world, right? That it's like people show people like people show the the best parts of themselves on Instagram. They're not showing necessarily the negative stuff. And and I and, and then I go into thinking about like a nonprofit and like and even even like you know, people who go to social media to connect with their friends or check in on the stories like do you do you feel like people I'm trying to come up with a question in all this mess. <laughs> I like, do you feel like there's this tendency for people to avoid the topic because it is such a sensitive or like kind of negative, like people, people you know, they just really don't want to talk about it. So like, let me like avoid it all together. And therefore, you know, you're not really getting uh, the shares or the, you know, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense at all? That does make sense. And actually, you are correct. Um, but also, there's this this audience and this group of followers who are also survivors that support the message. And so while you do realize that some of the topics that we cover and the topics in general are taboo, you also have these survivors who are also champion, championing your cause. They help to support it. They will like it. They will share it. They will invest in it. Um, I actually have an order that I'm sending out today to Dallas, Texas, um, for a stakeholder who purchased 15 copies of Don't You Dare Touch Me There with capes. So they're going to be actually giving them out at an event. So what I found is it is a very taboo topic. It is very sensitive um, as it relates to the body safety component, but we also still have the bullying component. And we also have um, the illegal drug use. So these are things that I feel that while the sexual abuse prevention piece is very sensitive, um, but it's a reality, people don't like to touch that one, but they will also support the other two. So it's kind of like you have this three for one or this one for three and people still have, they still see that there's, it's there. When I started my journey in the first book that I wrote and the only children's book I wrote was Don't You Dare Touch Me There to teach body safety and prevention early on, uh, I was told no so many times. So I thought about it and I was like, what else can I write about? Oh, I was bullied. 
You know, yes, I do have people in my family who struggle with substance abuse and have for years, my oldest sister. And so I wrote a, wrote those books um, because they that was my reality. And as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, that is also my reality. And based on the statistic that I shared is also other people's reality. And some people just won't talk about it. And that's fine. But then you have people who are also survivors or conquerors who will come along and support the cause. And for that, I'm just always thankful. Have you come up with any like cool strategic ways to really bring those survivors, you know, those, I mean, these, I think you're absolutely right. I think they're like the, the advocates for, for the brand, right. They have that, that personal mm-hmm. connection. When you have a personal connection to something right. uh, like it, it's, it, it you're definitely mm-hmm. going to get behind it. Right. You're definitely going to show mm-hmm. that support. So like, uh, have you found unique ways to kind of pull those types of people together, you know, for the mm-hmm. cause? I did it um, two years, almost three years ago. I did something called Hear Me Now. And um, it was a theatrical production that was held down at the Hippodrome uh, where survivors were in silhouette and they told their stories. And that night, I believe we had five. Um, And once they finished their story, they were cast into light. And these survivors were not only women, but they were men and they were from different races and ethnicities. And so people were able, the audience was able to see that sexual abuse does not discriminate based on race or gender, socioeconomic levels. I mean, we had um, a gentleman who was there who was, um, he was a, he, he lived in South Florida and he was like a, a little ball catcher for a professional um, major league baseball team and was abused by one of the owners and who shares his story all over the United States. As a matter of fact, he was featured on Oprah and he lives down in, in South Florida. But we've had people from all walks of life, um, recording artists that was there, Lisa McClendon, um, who's, you know, you know anything about her. She's a jazz singer, uh, amazing vocalist who shared her story as well. So it, we've had that. And I was thinking actually before COVID happened, we bring it back. And, and do it again. But we, you know, one of the features, the highlights of our annual fundraiser is honoring the adult survivors so that it can help generate funds for our programs for kids. Very interesting. Let's switch gears real quick. I know we got to wrap up soon. Uh, I want to ask on, on just a strictly personal level, a human level, how have you adapted to this or navigated the change? Is there, has there been any benefits for you, things that you've like kind of been, you know, pleasant surprises or anything like that? I have to say that um, it's caused me to really kind of be, become comfortable with technology and Zoom. Um, I have... Um, with my husband been researching just ways to bring like virtual conferences. That's one thing I have, have definitely I'm thinking of because I don't know how long COVID's going to be around. So I've been kind of researching the idea of a virtual conference, whether it's two or three hours and making sure. So, you know, it will be something feasible for folks. So this is definitely has caused me to get out of the box, not just step out, but like kind of jump completely out and smash it. So I'm trying to figure out how to really navigate this and, you know, stay afloat, you know, but the passion I feel is definitely there. My followers are there, but we definitely want to do more um, and, and just 
more than just what we're doing at this level. And it's, it's kind of hard. It really is because I think a lot of people are, are facing the same challenges. So we have to be mindful of that as well. Yeah. I like that question, Mike. What about, what about you? I'm kind of interested in like the same question, but your answer. Uh, just how I've navigated it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's, it's a roller coaster. I mean, I, we, we talked a lot about, um, and kind of some of our, our internal meetings about, um, concepts of mental health and stuff. And I think at first, you know, it's, it's tough, especially being in leadership. Um, you know, it's like, I, I never get away. And so even though it's like, I'm still working, it kind of felt like, Oh, this is a little relaxing, even though the hours were still there. But then you get to a certain point where, you start getting stir crazy and things aren't going as organized as you, you know, you want them to be. And, and you miss the interaction, the social interaction, and it starts to have kind of a negative impact. So it's a, it's a roller coaster um, dealing with, you know, the, you know, constant ebb and flow of relaxation, but then frustration, the need for social interaction, but the, you know, we always ask for time and the ability to actually have some, you know, introvert time, some, you know, self-building time that, you know, you maybe don't otherwise get. So that's kind of my, my answer. It's, for me though, it's like, I, I'm, I've said it on this podcast before. I'm, I'm motivated in a lot of ways by regret. I don't want to, you know, get through this and wish that I had done something different. Um, you know, if, if I've got time, then I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm wishing that I'm using it to either make our business better or to make myself better, yes. to learn a new skill or something like that. I don't want to, you know, look back on it and wish that I watch TV a little bit less or, or something like that, you know. So that's kind of my, my mantra, my post-its in the bathroom to keep facing so that I don't, you know, miss an opportunity in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. How about you, Colin? Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's definitely been challenges you know from the from the business side of it but navigating it you know personally um you know like i i i enjoy and have liked really the flexibility that that i've had the last few weeks mainly from the standpoint of you know and i know i've said this a few times on the podcast too is like um i've enjoyed working 8 p.m to 2 (laughs) a.m You know, like fam- family goes to bed, like it's a great quiet focused time for me. I'm able to get a lot done. Um, so, I, so I've enjoyed that yet at the same time, you know, and, and it's funny because I had people, I had people messaging me saying, dude, like I see, like I see you via Instagram stories that you're up to two o'clock in the morning. Like do you ever stop working? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, the part that you're not seeing is that I took from three to five off. Like, mm-hmm. like, I, like I've been able, you know, I wake up early and work till that mid afternoon while, while my kids are doing their schoolwork with, with Shannon, like they're getting that stuff done. And then for me to really be able to carve out like a nice two hours, you know, to spend quality time with my children has been, you know, I, like, I know, I know I say like little, little devils at times with the schoolwork <laughs> and stuff. But, you know, like yesterday, we went... A little angel side, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, we, yeah. we, you know, I took advantage of having the Bentelli e-bike in my garage, and we went for a family bike ride. We've never done that, ever. Right. Like, all four of us went on a bike ride together. And so, it's it's that, it's those moments, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. like that's the part that I have really, really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, I think there's... It's good because, you know, we talk about the positives of a, of a pandemic, you really start to see what's, you know, what's really important in life, mm-hmm. right? It allows, it just allows that time of reflection. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what it's been for me. But 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, there's still just a lot of challenges of like, all right, what, what is, you know, we've talked about this multiple times. What is going to stick now? Mm -hmm. You now, I mean, we're recording this on what May 19th. (laughs) It's going to be, you know, right right now as we stand, it's like 50% capacity by the time, you know, for businesses are like 50% capacity, you know, able to open up, you know, by the time this releases, like, are we at a hundred percent in a couple of weeks or like, like what, what is it going to look like? And once we get there, you know, are we going to have our zoom meetings going to stick? Like, are we going to keep doing this? Like, is that flexibility going to stick? Is some of that remote life going to stick? Like, who who knows? You know, I think our listeners are going to be glad that they don't have to see our faces and hear our voices every single day. <laughs> uh, you know, and I hope. Well, on that note, I hope they've gotten a lot of value out of it. So we'll see. For sure, <laughs> we'll see. It's been it's been valuable for me. So uh, just just hearing how you know terrific businesses like yours, Kendra, have been navigating this thing and adapting and really surviving. I mean, right. it, like surviving this pandemic i mean the businesses that can get through it will will be much better because of it you know and and i know that's hard to see yeah in the short term there's just a lot of you know i I see a lot of whining and complaining out there um but i just believe that we're going to be much stronger because of this trial so so thank you so much for joining us today absolutely thank you so much for having me why don't you tell our audience where they can connect with you, where they can, you know, support you um, and all that kind of good stuff. Awesome. So we're, um, our website is kids in the letter N capes, like superhero capes, Inc. Inc.org. And you can also find us on social media. We have Facebook as well as Instagram. And of course, you know, I'm always available if you just Google me. So I'm excited um, for this opportunity and thank you all so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. We'll just keep working hard. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our community. Uh, We support you. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Kendra, give us your best whoa. Whoa. (laughs) We will see you later, everybody. Bye. Have a great day.